When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready to Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajin. Brave the Wild is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Still getting used to saying it that way, but it is what it is. Nope, I've not uh, completely disappeared. I did not retire. Uh, Brave the Wild is going to be back rolling again pretty quickly, but going to get caught up on this episode. Just got busy with all the cleanups and everything. The fall cleanup still not done until eh, a couple more weeks, but... Luckily, it's too wet outside for me to do uh, for me to do that, so I'm able to get behind the mic and finally get caught up with you here with Brave the Wild. Well, all that doom and gloom we were talking about in the first episode, we were two games into the season, the Wild were too slow, and they looked like garbage, and well, and they continued to struggle a bit here and there after a nice little win against the Chicago Blackhawks on the 11th of October, not November. <laughs> the last episode was October 6th. Again, I apologize it took so long. The Wild ultimately did not win the uh, Vegas game. That was extremely frustrating. Vegas Golden Knights can't score for crap so far this year. Uh, Carolina, the Wild lost to them, and they lost to Nashville. But it was an improved game, and then the Wild have been unbelievable ever since that Nashville game, basically. Losing on the 15th, Bruce Boudreau basically said, keep playing like that, and you'll win some more games. After the Nashville game, and the Wild went on to win six in a row, and will continue from there. Undefeated the rest of October. Who saw that coming? After losing to Carolina at home, that was mm, that was kind of yucky. Even though Carolina is a little bit better, and, and that's noticeable as well. Though one of their players, Jeff Skinner, moved on to another team, and he's doing fantastic of late. Whew, I'm happy to have him on fantasy. <laughs> but at the end of the day, again, this will be a catch-up show. Going to kind of generally talk about the Wild here. I can't go game by game by game, but I can just kind of read off the scores and show you how well they were doing here and there. Maybe some notables with this and that. Certain guys having big games here and there, possibly. But generally speaking, the Minnesota Wild went from a team that was too slow and looked like they barely belonged in the league starting out the season to a team that's uh, figuring things out again. And it's beautiful to watch. The chemistry's back, and guys are just playing well. And Zach Parisi's having that renaissance that I was hoping for. Eric Stahl always starts slow, and he picked things up and got going again. Mikhail Granlin's Hopefully going to play a full season this year. Uh, last year, obviously, he caught up a bit after missing a significant amount of time and still wound up in the upper 60s. I believe it was like 67 points last year after his career high of 69 the year before. But Kyle Granlin's uh, shooting capabilities are fantastic. Uh, he's been fooling teams who expect him to pass, and then he puts up a rifle of a shot, and it goes past the goalie over the uh, shoulder. He has just been outstanding, generally the left shoulder, at least on that overtime winner. A few nights back, uh, Mikhail Granlin has now is now leading the team in scoring. Uh, Zach Parise had led the way for the longest time, but he has just uh, had a wonderful renaissance. Twelve points in thirteen games. Granlin now at a point a game on pace for eighty-two points this year, and he's also leading the team in goals. Who saw that coming? I mean, he's just been phenomenal. It's great to see Granlin coming around and becoming a better and better player every year. Even Ryan Suter, the guy who had the Talis injury the Telus bone injury. He's had some gaffes defensively, but one of them was against Connor McDavid, and it's like, well, what are you, you going to do? It's Connor McDavid. So <laughs> that just kind of is what it is there. 12 points for Ryan Stewart. How crazy is that in the 13 games? And, of course, he has played in every single one of them. Eric Stahl, 11 points as well. Hendricks is the guy that's missed some time, but it's opened the door for a couple other guys like JT Brown to get some ice time. Nate Prost has only seen the eyes once this year, which is sad a little bit, but it kind of is what it is. Uh, Greg Pattern is still waiting for his first point, but he certainly brought that physicality on the on the bottom three there. <laughs> Excuse me, the bottom pairing there with uh, Nick Steeler. Those guys are just awesome. Wonderful Bash Brothers at the bottom there. 
the bottom pairing, even though there's, there's no there's no bottom as far as I'm concerned when you consider how good Nick Sealer really is. Uh, Greg Pattern also very uh, solid, very steady. I think he's slightly overpaid for what he does, but still, what whatever. He's doing a wonderful job in that sense. Erickson Eck has missed extended period of time. He's only played in seven games. He finally was able to get back on the ice again recently, and he has not scored a point yet this year. So the frustration continues there. The good news is he's only 21 years of age. Um, <clears throat> Jordan Greenway started okay at, at the season, and the frustration, he just wasn't that good. You know, still, you know, again, he's only 21 years old, so you can't get too mad, but struggled big time in a lot of ways, especially that whole third line, you could say. Uh, <clears throat> Eric Tanek, Coyle, and Greenway, just nothing good. And then, of course, you even pair them with Nia Niederreiter on occasion instead of uh, Eck. And the guys just have not been playing so well together. At the end of the day, Nita Ryder's only got five points on the year. Even though he shows flashes here and there, but only five points for Nita Ryder thus far. He's been extremely frustrating, to say the least. I would definitely support a trade with Nino Nita Ryder, but again, when you're talking 5.2 million with four years remaining, 5.2 million per in terms of the cap hit, that's not good. Um, if Eric Fear, the fourth line center, well, he's he's wing when when Hendricks is around, but he's uh, center now because Hendricks has not been around. But when Eric Fear actually has more points than you, when your Nino is more more points than Nino Niederreiter, something's wrong. Uh, Felino's been very solid thus far, to be quite honest. He doesn't produce the great points, but still, at the end of the day, he's been a lot better than he was last year so far, and that's really encouraging considering he's making a pretty good salary as well, about two and a half million per. That's uh pretty high for what he does as well. Um, Jordan Greenway, though, again, how he started out the season terribly. They send him down for just two games. His first game ever in the AHL, he scores a hat-trick. Yeah, a hat-trick for Greenway. It's unbelievable. What a nice uh, start to his uh, AHL career. He only plays in one more game. He's back up at the Wild, and he scores right away there. He scores his first NHL goal officially because he did... He did have his first goal ever in the playoffs, but his first actual, like, recordable NHL regular season goal, we'll say, was scored uh, right after he was called up from the AHL. Him being, again, Jordan Greenway. Pretty impressive. Uh, very cool. He wound up with four points in just two games because he also added an assist in his second game with the Iowa Wild. It has been a beautiful, uh, <laughs> it was a beautiful little start to his career there. Uh, Luke Cunning, remember how frustrating it was last year off and on he was just kind of you know he's just okay and yeah again another guy who's extremely young and you can't expect too much I mean he just turned 20 this year uh well last year actually he was 19 starting off the season struggled a bit and then this year so far he's been pretty good uh, we'll talk about the Iowa Wild a little bit later that's the prospect segment let's get back to Minnesota for the moment but uh encourage what I'm seeing out of Luke Cunning and that's what I like about this general manager more than uh Mr. Chuck Fletcher he cares more about the AHL than Chuck Fletcher did. And you know how I talk about prospects all the time on this show, particularly in the second half or so of the episode, second half, second third, or third third of the show, we'll say, third period of the show, if you want to be hockey-centric there. Um, I want the AHL to be good because, well, you want to be looking forward to prospects coming up from the AHL. And, of course, just guys that can fill in at times, but eventually some of them could be long-term solutions. You hope Luke Cunning can be a long-term solution. You hope Jordan Greenway can be a long-term solution. You'd hope he will be. But the Wild generally focusing with him at the AHL level, so or NHL level, pardon me, rather than having him all the way, uh, having him down in the AHL developing. But you have other guys in the AHL now that are producing and doing very well. And funny how, just like that, a team that's never even made the playoffs since moving to Iowa, as they used to be the Houston Arrows, of course, a lot of us know that for many years. That's where Mike Yo cut his teeth before coming to the Minnesota Wild as the head coach. Um... It's uh, nice to see. I mean, a lot of the prospects in the system have really emerged. And again, there I go off into that tangent. <laughs> so I apologize for that. The play of the team has definitely been better. A 2-1 to one win over Arizona was nice on the 16th. And you beat Dallas in Dallas, which again, still is fairly rare around these parts. And then Alex Daylock has a fascinating game against Tampa Bay. That was fun. Fun to watch. Uh, Alex Daylock, the, the thing with Alex, I have to say, I mean, as... You know, it's like his goals against average is never going to be anything pretty. He's going to give up upper twos, low threes a game, you know, a game, goals against average, this and that. His save percentage is going to hover around 90, 89, 90, maybe 91, you know, generally speaking. 
he's a smaller guy and that doesn't necessarily mean anything bad because his quickness is very is very much evident it's it's a shame because oh if he was just a tiny bit better in terms of just the general job of being a goalie in terms of the generally stopping pucks because the other side of his game the puck handling and the intelligence and setting other players up to do something it's something to behold. Um, he, he literally helped the Wild win against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning despite giving up four goals in that game against one of the best teams in hockey. In fact, the team I picked to win the Stanley Cup. Let's look at the October 20th game, a Saturday night <clears throat> against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, in Excel Energy Center, it was a beauty of a game in so many ways. Uh, Granlin scored in overtime in this one, and it was a, a spectacular shot there. His third goal of the season. Again, the same reasoning is people weren't expecting him to shoot, and that continues to be a factor. Alex Daylock got an assist on the play, and it was just a beauty. It was uh, just the, the intelligence, the, the his ability to move out of the net as quickly as he does and set other players up, move the puck forward, is spectacular. Uh, You've got to love what Alex Daylock brings, particularly what he, how he can factor in an overtime period when there's more space, because obviously there's less players on the ice, only three on three. Alex Stalock brings something that very few goalies bring. It's just, it's a crying shame that his goals against average isn't a little bit better. I mean, just imagine if his goals against average is like 2.66 or something like that, or 2.5. Oh, man. He would be in the All-Star game every year. He would probably be on the Olympic team every year, uh, every Olympics anyway, um, at least as the backup. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that would just be universally loved in the NHL. And not that he isn't already, but I mean, he would be universally loved as a hell of a goalie. Uh, it's a crying shame that his goals against average isn't a little bit better. But it's kind of like, well, it kind of is what it is. Uh, even Charlie Coyle managed to have a multi-point game. Uh, very cool to see that. <clears throat> it's a bummer how Eric Zanek hasn't scored in forever. And of course, guys uh, like Nita Ryder hasn't scored once this season. So that's a big part of the problem is the scoring. Devin Dumnik's numbers have been dazzling. He's had an awesome run this year. 2.07 goals against average. His save percentage is almost 94. See, see look at Stalock. He's at 3.3 right now. Yet he's 2-1 because of just what he does out there. He does a good job. It's just a crying shame. It's usually going to be a higher scoring game, I suppose, which is entertaining for those out there that like higher scoring hockey games. Save percentage at 89.5 for Alex Stalock so far this season. Fear has got six points on the year. He's actually been a pretty good factor, and he's been definitely been one of the tough guys out there that's uh, not afraid to mix it up. He's actually leading the team in penalty minutes, if you can believe it. Jared Spurgeon has looked spectacular at some moments and been kind of quiet in others, but never you never get a feeling like he's going to screw up and hurt you, and that's always what's wonderful about Spurgeon, a guy who I think is definitely a 40-point caliber defenseman. Matt Dumba has looked dazzling at times, but he's, I believe it or not, tied with Spurgeon with seven points on the year, but four goals which definitely leads all wild defensemen at this stage. Ryan Suter does have three, though, so he's kind of catching up. He's been factoring in that and <laughs> lighting the lamps. Uh, Zucker started strong. He's had some moments, and he's quieted down a bit. He kind of comes and goes. He's definitely one of the streakiest players on the team. Uh, he's got that quickness. He's got that explosiveness, most of all. But again, he's streaky, and I suppose that's just kind of hockey for you. I mean, even Breezy's been slightly quieter of late, but generally speaking, Breezy's been the overall, overall most consistent player on the roster. And it's nice to see that your guys that are collecting as much as they are, Parisi and Suter every year, they're right. They're only one point behind Granlin for leading the team in scoring. So that's extremely nice for this team. And you, you feel better at this stage. You're not pissed off thinking... Oh boy, you know, seven more years of these guys and they're already like at a stage where they can hardly play anymore. And it felt like that at moments. Um, Suter never really, you were afraid that it was going to kind of come up after that injury because it's a crucial spot where that talus bone is. Obviously, it's, it's that talus bone is a socket. It creates movement for your, or ball socket. Yeah, it creates movement for your foot. And if something's wrong there and the mechanics are ruined, well, you're kind of screwed. So... That was the fear there. But uh, Zach Parisi also with that back injury and all that. And he finally had surgery last year. And ever since he got his quickness and his timing back, when he looked a step slow for the longest time, and people thought he was pretty much an obsolete player in the NHL, which is horrifying to imagine. Um, ever since he got that quickness back late last year, around March or so, and into the postseason, 
He's been just about the best player on the team. Um, he looks like New Jersey's Zach Parisi again. A, a, a guy who could get 40 goals, possibly. Well, maybe not the 40 goals, but a really high number of points. He's been factoring in the assists and all that above. He's second on the team in assists with eight. An overall very powerful season for Zach Parisi so far. And couldn't be happier for a guy that, uh, well, he, he battled quite a bit for quite a while. Uh, now at 34 years of age, unfortunately, <laughs> as of July 28th. Wow, he's only one day different from me. Uh, though, of course, I'm five years older, so haha. <laughs> yep. Granlund, yep. Man, you just can't say enough about the guy. He's been wonderful. Uh, Coyle still does not shoot the puck. Oh, he's got two goals. At least he's got some goals. He's still doing better than Niederreiter. He has the same one assist as Niederreiter, but he's got the two goals. That's basically the only difference between those two guys. Uh, Coyle's a natural right shot. Niederreiter is a natural left shot, but he can play right, this and that. He can kind of be both. He plays on the right side, but he's got a left shot, that type of thing. But it's out of necessity because the Wild are still filled with a trillion left shots, even though a lot of their prospects might have right shots. But when are they going to get here? You know, when is Ivan Ladnia going to get here, and will he ever be that good? He's a smaller guy. Not that that means he stinks, because not, you know, I mean, there's a lot of smaller guys that have been successful in this league. But uh, size does help sometimes, once in a while. And we hope Greenway can be productive in that sense. Um, but no, I mean, Charlie Coyle's another one of those guys, if he was a little more aggressive offensively, rather than just looking to pass the puck, looking to move the puck, looking to be Mr. Gritty against the wall, it would be nice to see Charlie Coyle become the kind of player he could could be. I mean, years ago you saw him make moves that made you feel, this guy's going to be the best player on the team for many years. He might be like a, you know, he might be a five to ten time all-star. That's what it looked like. Some of the moves he was making, but then it's like, geez, it's December and he's still got two goals. Like, what is going on? He made a spectacular play to get that second goal, but where where has he been? And it's been like that every flipping year. Almost swore there. Every flipping year it's like that with him. And I don't know, he's 26 now. Is, is he going to change? Probably not. Obviously, other teams out there probably have a pretty good idea what you're going to get out of Charlie Coyle. So again, his trade value can't be that great. Fenton, Paul Fenton will make a move of some sorts. Will it be the kind of move we can really get excited about? Because what are teams going to give up for the Nito Nito Riders or the Charlie Coyles? Is Eric Stahl going to get traded? I don't think you can trade him now. I think the owner would, would go ape bleep if you traded Eric Stahl at this point, considering how good the team is. And we know how the owner is. He's a, he's a win-now owner. It kind of is what it is when you sit down and analyze that. Minnesota Wild, though, I mean, generally speaking, they're in second place, despite all the craziness. And to think that the Minnesota Wild actually, with a game in hand, by the way, are one point ahead of what a lot of people consider the Stanley Cup favorite this year. That's right, the Winnipeg Jets. That's insane. And that makes me feel really good, actually, to sit down and say that. We're a point ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, does it? Okay, sure, it gets better. We all know what better is. There's one thing that's better than anything else, but uh, it feels good. Um, The bad news is Chicago's a little better this year, and they're only three points behind, but hey, they've played two more games than the Minnesota Wild, so that's good. St. Louis is the only team that's played less games than Minnesota, and they have the least games in hand. Well, if they're anything like they looked the other night in St. Louis wearing those nice retro uniforms, which I appreciated very much, if they look anything like that, Mike Yo's in his final season, and the Blues are not going to be a threat to make the playoffs despite some pretty nice uh, offseason moves. Another team that's greatly underachieving and has already made a move at head coach is the Los Angeles Kings. The Wild just blew right past them like they were standing still on the 25th of October, two months ahead of Christmas there. 4-1 to victory. And then he had an extremely impressive win over the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, it was in XL Energy Center, but it was a beauty. It was absolutely wonderful to come out with a victory over the hated Colorado Avalanche, a team that's owned the Wild the last couple of years. Oh, it felt like a million bucks winning that one. Again, a 3-2 victory for the Wild on the 27th of October, as we're kind of getting more and more caught up here. Varlamov was a net, as usual, for the, uh, missed, for the, uh, <coughs> pardon me, the Colorado Avalanche. Dubnik again, unbelievable in that. He had a spectacular night, only giving up the two goals and 94% and all that. Just beautiful. Granlin had another multi-point game. He was spectacular. Uh, Eric Stahl had a multi-pointer. Just a fun, solid victory for the Wild, and it felt like a million bucks. 
we're going to try to kind of move on quickly here. The Vancouver game was the yuckiest. It ended the winning streak, but well, the Wild started up a new one anyway, so I guess we'll be all right. Five to two loss in Vancouver, though. It was kind of like, what? And just the other day, I was listening to the uh, Fireside podcast, and they had a game like this against the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver's a lot better this year. Uh, they're in second place in their division. They've already won nine games. I mean, when did they win their ninth game last year? That'd be something to, to look up, but I don't know if I have time for that at the moment. Uh, Jordan Greenway will, would score his first career NHL regular season goal. This was after scoring a hat trick and a assist after that the next game, game pardon me, uh, against the, uh, <clears throat> well, anyway, in the AHL. It was uh, absolutely spectacular, but he was able to score against Vancouver. Dubnik certainly didn't have his best game, and of course the fifth goal was an empty netter, so we're happy for him. Nice to see Greenway get his first NHL goal. Pretty much, uh, well, the Wild only managed to get two on Markstrom, who was downright spectacular. Uh, he's a guy that's kind of floating around fantasy hockey teams out there, and he's just been average most of the time. But, well, this is one of his great games. I consider it a plateau, him and Nilsson there, but apparently a lot of people consider Nilsson the starter, which is interesting. I think Markstrom's actually the slightly better goalie, but uh, he was more than he was more than slightly decent against the Wild in this one. He stopped 39 shots. Uh, excuse me, he stopped 37 out of 39, pardon me, for a 95% save percentage and a downright awesome game for him. And Vancouver, again, don't look now, but they're one of the better teams in the Western Conference at the moment. Uh, the Pacific Division certainly is inferior to the Central Division, obviously. you got Nashville leading the way. I mean, yes, the Wild are in second place. We are one of the division leaders, if you can believe it, with a game in hand versus uh, Nashville or Winnipeg. But the National Predators are back to having the best record in hockey again, which is, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, they've lost some guys, but I suppose it's not like Neal was one of their best players. And again, they already lost him anyway to the uh, National Predators the year before, or National Predators, to the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, pardon me. So you had that situation going on already. But shoot, uh, Nashville's still rolling. And despite uh, Pekka Rene missing some time, Saros, that backup there, who's definitely the goalie of the future. He's only, what, 20, 23 years old. Got a very bright future in goal in, in the goal there for the Nashville Predators. So they may hang around for quite a while. Of course, P.K. Supan's one of the best players in hockey and one of the most celebrated players in hockey for the, for the uh, younger generation, you can say. And uh, it's been good for him. Calgary's actually leading the way in the Pacific Division, so go Fireside Podcast there. Edmonton Oilers certainly better than last year as well. I'm happy about it, actually. I'm glad to see the Canadian teams do well. I don't know why a lot of people out there are like, ha ha, no Canadian teams made the playoffs a couple of years ago, and it's like, eh, I think Canada needs to be in the postseason. Come on. I would love to see Calgary winning the Pacific Division. What would you rather see, the Anaheim frickin' Ducks? Anaheim, California, a bunch of spoiled brats there and, you know, super rich people over there. Ah, screw that. Let's let's go Canada, man. I, I would take Calgary or Edmonton any day over Anaheim or Los Angeles either, even though the Kings are kind of cool, but not this year. <laughs> Vegas was fun last year. I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I'd love to see them back in it. Uh, right now, they're way, way, way down and all that, and they're in seventh place in the whole wild card. But the funny thing is they're only four points behind San Jose, Colorado, and Edmonton, who again, Edmonton is the third division leader in the Pacific Division, so it ain't over till it's over, that's for damn sure, but freaking Vegas, they don't score at all! What's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights? They don't score crap! I'm very surprised by that. (laughs) Arizona, I mean, who, who saw St. Louis and Los Angeles, though, literally riding the pine in the Western Conference this year. I didn't see that happening. And again, Vegas. Why is Vegas so bad? (laughs) A lot of people thought this was going to be Vegas last year. Though, it's just, like, I I can't even believe what's happening at the end of the day when it comes to the Vegas Knights in terms of their scoring. I mean, Marshall is their leading scorer with only six. Their second leading scorer is Ryan Reeves with four goals. How many times has Ryan Reeves even scored four goals in a season? Ryan Reeves, William Carlson, 10 points, Eric Hollow with only seven. I don't know. I'm just getting intrigued by looking at that. I, I had to because it's a big deal. I mean, what a drop-off. Just two guys with double-digit points. Eric Hollow is their third-leading scorer with seven. So a lot of us, they might get frustrated with how the Wild don't score sometimes. Well, the guy, the guys with seven points, there's three of them, and it's your fifth, sixth, and seventh-leading scorers. So... No, 6th, 7th, and 8th leading scorers. So you can't really complain that much. Boy, whew. So that's something to be positive about at the very least. 
Ryan Reeves is your second leading goal scorer. <laughs> no wonder Vegas stinks this year, right? So that kind of is what that is. I'm just getting caught up in general here. Obviously, highly favoring the Wild in the conversation, but have to get caught up in, in the hockey season in general. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the Edmonton game was fun. Of course, Ryan Suter looked silly, and generally speaking, Suter and Dumba did not have their best game. But, I mean, you're going up against the best player in the league. And, well, Drysdale is a pretty good secondary player there also. Obviously a very high draft pick a, a year before. So, uh, seven goals on the season at this stage for Drysdale. He's obviously, again, one of the top players in that club. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has really emerged of late as well. He, had, he, he got his 10th assist in the game. So, the guy is definitely a, a stud. I mean, he, well, at least he's playing like it now. He started strong. The year before as well. Eric Stahl had a three-point game. Nita Ryder had two assists in the game. He had his best game of the season. I guess the Edmonton Oilers and Granlin is what he is. I mean, another another goal there, another big factor. Gotta love what he's able was he, what he's able to do out there. There's just no doubt about what uh, Granlin brings. is a beautiful thing. I'm happy to see Edmonton succeeding, though. I would rather see them in the playoffs than not in the playoffs. I mean, if you're an NHL fan and you want the league to succeed, you want Edmonton to do well, don't you? You want Calgary to do well, too, I think. Vancouver, I'm not a fan, but then again, you know what? I'm a little bit over Vancouver, aren't I? I mean, they have some players on that team that are obnoxious and, and, and all that, but, you know, you got Brock Besser, you also have Marcus Granlund, and, of course, there's nothing really, I have nothing against Markstrom or Nilsson, the goalies, so, I don't know. I'm kind of happy to see them doing a little better as well. I mean, it, obviously, the old days are what they are. Uh, they're not in our division anymore, this and that. So there's not as much animosity for myself versus the uh, <laughs> Vancouver Canucks at this stage. I mean, you know, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Todd Bertuzzi, Matt Cook, guys like that, uh, Coach Crawford uh, out, out there. They're gone. Every one of them is long gone. So there's not a whole lot to really complain about. Even uh, Luongo, that was kind of funny. There were some fun situations there. But the goalie we faced during that big playoff series was Cloutier. It wasn't, it wasn't Luongo. So, I mean, Luongo was old as he is. He wasn't the goalie of the Canucks back then. He was in Florida still. Florida. So that kind of is what that was. Minnesota Wild, as we officially get caught up again, another, well, two days off. They were off Sunday and Monday, and then we... Uh, Head to San Jose Sharkland. Oh, it's a California trip. Oof, the LA two-step there. The Kings, hopefully the Wild could pull that off. And the Anaheim Ducks who have moments, but generally speaking, they're not so good. 5-1 to one win over the St. Louis Blues. A very easy night for Minnesota. Devin Dubnik basically didn't have to worry too much. He, he basically got free money on this particular evening. The 3rd of November, that is. Granlin only had one assist, but who cares? He was solid. Yeah, Greenway with two assists as well. Eric Fear had a two-point game. JT Brown's first goal with Minnesota, that was nice to see. He was able to kind of be loose, basically, go off on the ice and show his speed a little bit. Be a little mini Zucker, at least for a couple moments out there. First goal of the season, despite only well, nine and nine and a half minutes of ice time. Uh, Erickson Eck missed many, Jewel Erickson Eck, pardon me, missed many games there. They're playing only a seventh game of the regular season because of injury. Uh, and again, no points, but he factored in a bit um, here and there. He was, a, well, he was not so good in the faceoff. He got three shots on goal, so at least he got the puck on net, but nothing going there. Uh, Parisi, well, he got five shots on goal, but nothing was able to get past uh, Jake Allen, though other players got a lot past him. Uh, Jake Allen was damn good against uh, Granlin and Parisi when you consider those two guys combined at 11 shots on him, and none of them went past, but five ultimately did go past Mr. Jake Allen including, uh, well, there was Eric Stahl, Eric Fear. Oh, yeah, Matt Dumba. That was the one that was kind of embarrassing for him. Uh, Eric Stahl was able to get his 400th goal of his career. Nick Nick Seeler got the puck on net, and Mr. Uh, Stahl was able to finish it off, basically deflected it into the net. Seeler got his first NHL goal, and he also factored in another assist. Seeler, who had no points on the year, him and his, his partner in crime back there, Greg Pattern, Oh boy, you look at their plus minus and you just smile. I, I can't believe it. The Dumba goal was embarrassing for uh, Jake Allen. Uh, Dumba, obviously a nice shot and everything, but Jake Allen's got to handle that one. He's got to cradle it. It just bounced past um, uh, bounced past uh, Jake Allen. He just could not hang on to the puck, and good for Dumba there. But uh, Steeler went from zero points to three. Again, two assists, and again, he scored his first NHL goal. Just putting that puck on net, and he's got a nice shot and a quick release, actually. Uh, Steeler... I'm not expecting 40 points from the guy ever, but 20 to 25, I think, is is very realistic for a guy like Nick Zeller, uh, who could be a, a factor in this league for a while. 
I think. Uh, he deserves a decent amount of ice time. It's nice to see Suter's minutes down a tiny bit. So he's still getting about 25 a game here. Down a bit, so guys like Steeler and Pattern can get a significant amount of ice time. Over 13 minutes for both of them in the game. But uh, Steeler, again, three points in the game. That felt good. The fascinating statistic, though, Greg Pattern plus five, Nick Steeler plus four. That is downright outstanding. So again, as you combine the two, plus nine, baby. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, uh, Awesome. Awesome stuff. So it's nice to be caught up with the Minnesota Wild at this stage at the end of the day. Minnesota, again, playing very strong hockey, and it feels good. It feels good to get past a team that used to kind of annoy the crap out of us just just, just a year ago even at times. Minnesota right now 8-3-2 and two on the season. Second place in the Central Division. St. Louis Blues 4-5-3 and three in last place in the Central Division. But things can change sometimes. In hockey, though, I mean, teams parallel each other all year, so it's really, really tough to build a hole. Luckily, Minnesota, when they started poorly, it didn't last long. So Minnesota's not in any hole now. Now it's, uh, can we catch Nashville and hopefully maintain something over Winnipeg or Colorado here? Obviously, Dallas is the fourth-place team and only fifth-place, pardon me, and is only two points behind, so got to keep it up. Uh, Dallas is very top-heavy, but after that, not much. And, and Ben Bishop's just okay. Um, so we'll just see what happens with that. Let's take a quick break. We are now officially caught up. Minnesota 8-3-2, second place in the Central. We'll be back to preview a couple games. I'm not going to go super hard and heavy. I want to get caught up mostly on the prospects at this stage because I'm not sure when I'm going to record next. It'd be nice if it's right away in a week, but I kind of doubt it. So that's my approach here. That's why I'm trying to get caught up mostly on this show. I'll look at the future games a little bit, but not go too crazy. tiny bit and then ultimately jump into the prospects but uh, we'll look at three games very briefly here as it's a california trip california time it's going to be a four game roadie now this is the first of the five gamer minnesota of course winning in st louis five to one then we head to the san jose sharks that's going to be what it is i suppose it'll be a entertaining game or so I hope. Uh, Minnesota's success rate against San Jose of late has been outstanding, to say the least. Uh, they would be a wild card right now. 17 points. Again, remember they acquired Eric Carlson recently. So definitely a team to be reckoned with at the end of the day, I would have to say. The Sharks, uh, well, they're being led by Meyer right now and Cloutier, Pavelski, all those guys kind of leading the way at the moment. Brent Burns, still one of the superstars in the league. He's Tops in the team in scoring as well with 16 overall points. Carlson not factoring in the scoring so far. Only 7 points on the year. So uh, still, I think uh, it's a chemistry thing at the moment. Things will kind of come around in time. Minus 9 so far this year is Eric Carlson. The Sharks, well, the chemistry will hopefully come around for them. Now again, adding one guy doesn't necessarily change everything. But usually you hope it does when you add a major player like that. Uh, So San Jose Sharks definitely have a bright future for at least... At least they have they have a window right now that's opened up. I don't think they're playing as well as you'd expect. I don't know. Some guys, maybe they just don't mesh. Uh, Hurdles kind of gets a little bit better every year. He never really breaks through, but he's a little better. Evander Kane, who's had issues in the past with chemistry and such. Ten points on the year. Four of them are goals. I think the Wild can beat the San Jose Sharks in the way they're playing right now. I don't see why not. And obviously the goaltending situation in San Jose has not been as good of late. Uh... Their goalie, obviously, Jones, has had lots of success over the years. But not not of late, though. At least not this year so far. And, of course, that being Martin Jones. 90% so far on the year. Goals against average 2.69. Just mediocre. Uh, Martin Jones has had more success in the past. Definitely. Uh, No shutouts this year for the San Jose Sharks. Again, they're just a wild card team. But, hey, they're only two points behind Calgary. So it's not like the season's over or anything. That's for damn sure. Brent Burns still pretty much the top guy on that team without a doubt, and there's no reason to think he isn't. So I think, I mean, Minnesota's success rate against the San Jose Sharks is notable. And I don't know, I mean, Wild might as well keep their success rate moving. They might as well keep it moving in a positive direction. 
I don't see why not. I think Minnesota could beat the Sharks, and they will. Let's go with the final score. Something of the likes. Martin Jones, he's just so mediocre. But I don't know. San Jose is still capable of uh, keeping the score down reasonably. I think Minnesota wins 3-2, to two, maybe 4-2 to two, with an empty net or something like that. Most likely guy to score in the game. Let's say Parisi ends his tiny little drought here. Um, I might as well say that. Uh, Parisi usually plays well against the Sharks, or at least uh, I think he will this time around. Anyway, <laughs> not lately. I mean, Parisi hasn't played well against, uh, hadn't played well against anybody of late, except maybe Dallas here and there, until uh, now that he's healthy again. But I do think Zach Parisi will be the most likely guy to score on the road against the San Jose Sharks. Let's move on very quickly to the Los Angeles Kings, a team that, uh, well, <laughs> we used to always put Darcy Kemper against the Kings because they usually have some success. At least he started things off positively. Uh, Jonathan Quick is out for a long time. Uh, Jack Campbell's been respectable in net, though. 2.67 and a save percentage of 9, uh, or excuse me, should I say, 0.912. Remember years ago, the Kings acquired Ben Bishop because of a similar situation where uh, Jonathan Quick was out for a long period of time. Peter Budaj was another guy acquired from the Tampa Bay Lightning. He'd kind of been the third guy, so to speak, down in the AHL. Campbell's okay. He's all right, but things are not going well in L.A. right now. Not at all. Um, Drew Doughty is clearly the best player on the team still, but generally speaking, they're not playing well. Peter Buda is just a backup guy uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and such in the past. And he's he's just, you know, he's he's had one game in relief. Uh, Jonathan Quick off to a horrible start this year as well before the injury. Almost five goals a game in the, the four games that uh, Jonathan Quick was out there. Three of them official losses as, uh, boy, it has not been a pretty uh, start to the season. Uh, Jack Campbell had to come in relief in one of those games and ended up taking the L, so to speak, as certain groups of people like to say. To think Jonathan Quick, though, in the four games, less than 85% save percentage. That's weird. Things just completely going off the uh, off of the end of the earth here for the uh, Los Angeles Kings. They're literally falling off the side of the earth right now. Kolvachuk, who came back out of retirement, this and that, and he's just been meh. I mean, he's leading the team in scoring. That's nice, but the chemistry's not good. I don't know what happened here. Um, firing Gerald Sutter, probably not the best idea, even though the guy has a shelf life. I don't know. Maybe just it is what it is, and this Kings team is done, and they're going to have to rebuild, I guess, despite they have all these talented guys still. Uh, Kopitar, obviously one of the one of the top players. Doughty's a star. Kovalchuk used to be a star with New Jersey in the past. Jeff Carter's had moments. In fact, he's usually hurt the Wild pretty bad. But the top goal scorer is Kovalchuk with four, Carter with four, and Kopitar with four. No reason at all. And again, Dion Phaneuf, he's just a... Ugh. I mean, that, that can't be good in the locker room. He's never been, you know, a good locker room guy. Um, 13 games, no points at all, and he's a minus 10. He just sucks big time. I, I don't know. That's a guy I'd try to dump if I was the LA Kings, if humanly possible, depending on the salary situation. But uh, no reason the Wild shouldn't win. I put it this way. If the Wild lose in, in LA, that's bullcrap. So I think Minnesota wins this one. Well, Jack Campbell's been better than Jonathan Quick, which is kind of sad. Uh, Jonathan Quick probably kind of hurt during the course of the season. I mean, just something wasn't right right away. I mean, why should he be this bad? But of course, the guys in front of him have sucked hardcore. It's not all his fault. Just generally speaking, it's a team that just quit on its coach, quit on him, and quit on themselves. I, I, I don't know. They just aren't right at all. Uh, Campbell is a little better, but not really, uh, generally speaking. The Kings have won two out of their last three. They did lose. They did beat uh, New York on the 28th of October, 4-3. to The Rangers are in rebuilding mode as well, though. Philadelphia is a decent team, 5-2 to loss, hosting Philadelphia, by the way. But a 4-1 to win over Columbus. That's not bad. Uh, that's not bad at all, to be quite honest. So that's definitely something to think about so far uh, coming in. I'm guessing, uh, yeah, Budaj got in there in the uh, Philly game and kind of held down the fort for a period there, literally. Uh, period and a half, that is. Uh, but a 4-1 to win over Columbus, that's kind of impressive. Uh, they will host the Anaheim Ducks, them being the Kings, and then host the Minnesota Wild before hosting Calgary and Toronto. What a big homestand. You'd think they could turn things around during a seven-game homestand there, but I doubt it. Uh, so far, they're two and one, though, in their homestand, so we'll see. Hopefully, we're not one of their losses or one of their wins, per se. That would be great. Minnesota should win the game. Something of the likes. I mean, I hope... Is there a back-to-back coming up for Minnesota? Well, I don't think... No, no, there isn't. So, I think Dubnik will be in net, so it's going to be like three to one, four to one in favor of Minnesota, I think. 
Uh, no excuses here. You got to win the game. The most likely guy to score against the Los Angeles Kings. Let's go with Eric Stahl. I think Eric Stahl will score his sixth goal of the season against the, uh, I believe it's his sixth goal anyway. <laughs> it should be, right? Yes, it would be a sixth goal of the season against the Los Angeles Kings if he doesn't score in uh, San Jose anyway. But a 3-1, to 4-1 to one type win over the Kings. Again, no excuse for the Minnesota Wild to lose that game. Anaheim's a little better, but they're not that great. They're just hanging on. They're just 500, and we all know how Boudreaux loves to play against the Ducks. This is going to be a very low-scoring game, though. Uh, John Gibson's off to a great start. He was looked on as the franchise goalie for quite a while, and he's playing like it so far this year. He's only got one shutout, but his save percentage is just under 94%. Goals against average 2.36. Again, um, this is not going to be an easy game. Again, a road game, this and that. Minnesota's history against Anaheim is kind of, you know, this and that. But even Ryan Miller, if he winds up in net, I don't know. I mean, the Wild don't always have good games against the guy, and he's been good. He's been very steady. His numbers aren't much worse than John Gibson. Uh, the guys in front of John Gibson have been playing very well. Uh, Rickard Ruckel, no, he was originally compared to from uh, Bruce, Bruce Boudreau. Yule uh, Erickson Eck was compared to Rickard Ruckel at, at times. That he, he believes Erickson Eck could be that good. So that'll be very interesting because Raquel is a pretty good player. Obviously, still got a nice future in the league. Ryan Gutzloff, who missed a ton of games, but very productive since coming back from his injury. Not a ton of games, missed about five games. Extremely productive in the time he's been out there, at least in terms of setting other players up. The Wiley veteran, Ryan Gutzloff, uh, 10 points on the season, eight of them assists. Silverberg with nine points. Not a high-scoring team, but they don't give up a lot either. So this could be like a two-to-one type of game in favor of either team. Um... You just got to hope to get the lead and hang on to it, that type of thing. <sighs> Can I pick the Wild to sweep these teams? I mean, if you're going to lose one of the games, this is probably it. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it's going to be like 2-1, to one, I think. I think Darkwing Dumba will be the, the guy that will score against the uh, Anaheim Ducks at bare minimum. Maybe he'll score twice or three. Or, or I mean, maybe the Wild will, will be the team that scores twice. Maybe Dumba will have the game winner in overtime or something or, or shootout. Or not shootout, but in overtime, something like that. But I think the most likely guy to score against the Anaheim Ducks will be Dumba. He'll at least get the one goal, if not the second one, uh, per se. Um, I hope Minnesota can win this game, but if you're going to lose one, it's probably this team. They, they, they're they always tough to play against for Minnesota. I mean, I, I, ever since Boudreau had his first game against them and things went really well, Anaheim's kind of owned us, unfortunately. So <clears throat> we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But as of right now, I'm picking a very low-scoring Dubnik versus Gibson, kind of a shootout type of game. Well, not a shootout, but a sh- uh uh, pitcher's duel type of game, and somebody of the likes of, uh, well, no, nobody really scores for Anaheim that much. Just a couple of guys have four goals in this one. Silverberg and something called Pontus Upberg has four goals and no assists in the nine games he's played. So that's the thing. It's like they don't score much at all. That's that's why I'm thinking two-to-one type of game here. But again, the guy in front of them. I mean, they're focusing heavily in defense there under Carlisle at this stage. It's just because they're clearly not scoring. So the way they're going to win their half of their game so far is against the... or is just in low-scoring battles. Uh, an overtime victory most recently against the Columbus Blue Jackets for Anaheim. Two-to-one loss in Anaheim, in my opinion. So let's move on to the prospects, shall we? I always look forward to this part of the show, without a doubt, um, because there's just, you know, there's there's hope now, too, especially this time around. I mean, okay, when you go to the Iowa Wild, so far they've played 10 games. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly's the leading scorer and everything at this point. Only two of them are goals, so he's like the Getzloff, I guess you could say, for the Anna, for the Iowa Wild, the Anaheim Wild, right? The Iowa Wild. Um, so it's like, oh, goody, another career minor leader leading the team in scoring. But then you look at the next guy. Who is it? Mason Shaw. Remember Mason Shaw, who was a third-round pick a, a year ago, out for the year with the ACL, picked behind Ivan Ladnia for the Minnesota Wild in the draft. Only 19 years of age, and he's got eight points already. Uh, he's setting guys up. He's the second-line center, pretty much, for the club. Uh, he's doing a hell of a job uh, setting guys up. Eight points in the 10 games so far. Luke Cunning missed the first couple games again, still just making sure his knee's right, ready to go, and he's now gotten in six games, and, and Luke Cunning's been a huge factor. Seven points in the six games he's played. It's been awesome. He's a plus two. Mason Shaw's also a plus two. Kyle Rouse, a guy who'd be a call-up at some point to play center or just fourth line in general. Same with Justin Kloos. Those guys both have seven points. Brennan Mendel, how about him, who kind of finished quietly last year. He's at six points already. Five of them assists. 
Ryan Murphy's also at six points, this and that. Lembots, who's a, uh, one of those veteran additions, added in the uh, offseason to help kind of fill things off. Uh, he's been he's, he's been a nice addition to the minor league, and it's good to have a, a veteran piece in there. Carson Soucy's been very quiet, and he's missed five games already. He's missed half of the game so far and only one assist. Will Biden, who was acquired from the Montreal Canadiens, he's only 20 years old. He was a third-round pick like Ivan Lodnia. Only one assist in the seven games he's been in so far. The two games, Kapu Kalkinen, I remember I was excited about him. Well, he started poorly in the first game, and then the next game he was downright fantastic, only giving up one goal. So, geez, uh, remember he gave up uh, three in his first game, and you know, and he missed. Uh, he got taken out when he was struggling in that game. Um, but then the next game, only gives up one goal, and his goals against average in the two games he's been in there so far, 1.96. So, nice... Uh, Nice rebound for Kapo Kukkonen after being kind of kept out of the net for a long time. He got in the third game of the season so far and finally got in the 10th one. So he was out for a while with uh, Andrew Hammond leading the way. They'd rather just go with Hammond and be steady with him. Again, the Hamburglar, of course. He's 6-2, 2.59 goals against average, and 92 save percentage. Been very solid for this winning hockey club. They are 7-3 and three on the year so far, this team in Iowa. Kapokokin and getting his first AHL victory. Very nice to see. A very so- solid, strong game. A 2-1 to one victory, so not high scoring. This club was scoring goals like crazy early on, then things quieted down lately. Uh, Belpedio's got four points on the season, and he's played in all ten games. That's good. Sokolov played in the first six and managed to get three assists in the first three games. He quieted down after that and has now been out for the last four, unfortunately. But Dmitry Sokolov finally playing full-time hockey in the AHL, and that's good. He's not getting sent back down to the to the uh, the juniors and all that. One alarming thing, at least a slow start to the season. Hopefully this isn't a trend and it's just a mirage. It's just a slow start and things will catch up. Sam Anas. Sam Anas has been very quiet. Only three assists so far. No goals. He's played in every single game, and he's that top-line guy over there in uh, Iowa. Top-line, top six, whatever you want to say. Top-line, you know, top two lines are usually interchangeable at times. But Sam Anas so far, no goals and only three assists in the first ten games of the season. Hopefully things will change a little bit there. But don't be surprised, again, when you have guys like Cunning and Shaw, and they're playing higher uh higher up there a bit than they were in the past. Uh, obviously, Shaw had never even suited up. He played in one game at the end of the year last year to get his feet wet, but Mason Shaw has been downright outstanding. Clearly, uh, the better player between him and Ivan Ladnia that's, uh, so far. Ladnia played in just a couple games last year with the Iowa Wild, but now he's back in juniors again with a different team, and that's kind of unfortunate because, I don't know, you, you had your hopes up that Ladnia would get some full-time, or would get a lot of action in the AHL this year and continue to move forward. Not been the case so far, yet he's doing a bit better in uh, the AHL than last year, though. He kind of he didn't have the best year last year. He was barely better than the year before and actually had less goals. But with the Niagara Ice Dog so far, he's averaging a point a game, which is ahead of last year's pace. Uh, again, last year, also with Iowa Wild, he played in six games and was a plus two, and that's it. Nothing else. But Ivan Lania, six goals and 11 assists so far in 17 games for the Niagara Ice Dogs at this stage. Again, we saw what Mason Shaw was up to. That's been fantastic. Another guy I'm going to bring up here so far. Well, let's go with the first. Let's, uh, obviously, Philip Johansson finally got his first point in his first, like, 20 games or so, so he's real quiet. Jack McBain missed his first couple games for Boston College, unfortunately, and so far in three games, nothing really to say. Boston College hasn't been so great to open up the season either. Luckily for McBain, he's just a freshman, so obviously he's got a lot ahead of him, and he looked pretty damn good with uh, the Toronto Junior Canadians of the the uh, Ontario Junior Hockey League and all that. But um, now in college, in the Hockey East, there, major place. Nothing to say so far. Early start, and we'll just have to leave that alone. Three games, nothing exciting to talk about. Let's talk about the seventh-round pick here before anything else. Remember Nick Sweeney last year? I was really excited about him, and he's, well, let's get to him right now real quick. Interrupt. He's doing good again. He's doing about what he did last year. He's at five points in the eight games so far for the UMD national champion, UMD Bulldogs. Nick Sweeney's got a national championship now in his in his belt. Awesome. Um, four of them assist. He is more of a playmaker, kind of like how Greenway was with Minnesota. Obviously, Sweeney, a much smaller person, but uh, definitely a playmaker, and he can score at, at big moments. Uh, he's kind of like a Spurgeon as a forward, you could almost say, at this stage. Uh, I I like what Nick Sweeney's potential is. I think he could very much make it to the NHL someday. Uh, the fact that he's factoring in college uh, and just a seventh round pick, pretty exciting. But how about a guy here? 
a guy with the name of, uh, <laughs> let's get back to this. I want to, let's talk about Sam Henches. Remember the seventh round pick just this last year? Sam Henches, local boy here and from New Brighton, not Bergton like this says. It's New Brighton. There is no New Bergton, Minnesota. And if there is, please forgive me. But it's New Brighton. Come on. St. Cloud State. You know, the St. Cloud State Huskies, Bob Moscow's team, and now the for, formerly, and now he's the gopher coach, blah, blah, blah. Well, Sam Henches, six points in eight games. He's four of them are goals. He is the top goal scorer for the, the St. Cloud State Huskies. That is just unbelievable. Uh, great start, and even 12 penalty minutes. He's a plus 10. A plus 10. What a start for Sam Henches. Seventh round pick. Um, unbelievable. This team... You're in and you're out. It does a hell of a job late in the draft, at least ever since Doug Risebrow's been gone. Obviously, with Chuck Fletcher, a lot of, well, at least the last few years, their seventh-round picks have been pretty good, going back to Dmitry Sokolov. Uh, Sadik hopefully will be something. Now, of course, obviously, not, there were other years it didn't go so great. But the last, uh, hopefully Sadik is something. That's one. But at least since 2016, three years in a row, they've possibly hit some something, at least something here in the seventh round, and that's pretty cool. I mean, Sweeney's a guy that exists. He's a factor. I mean, there's so many prospects out there that don't do anything. You know, there's so many prospects, fourth round, third round, and they, they barely even sniff the NHL or they play in college. Maybe they're fourth round. Heck, you could even go with uh, freaking Mario Lucia. He barely did anything uh, at the AHL level. He was adequate in college and his numbers kept declining every year, which is really weird. And then down things went, and it just drove you crazy. And then you have guys like Sam Henches and Nick Sweeney, and, of course, hopefully Dmitry Sokolov. He's already in the AHL, which is extremely encouraging. But Nick Sweeney, I think he's going to, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's I think he's got a real shot to make the NHL. And Sam Henches, hopefully he's not just a lucky start, but uh, that's great. That's a, that's a great story so far. He's one of the best players in St. Cloud State because not only – is he doing well in college hockey? He's doing well in college hockey for one of the top teams in the country. So that could be one hell of a story coming up in the next few weeks, the next year or so. Uh, Kovanov, let's get to him really quick. He's a, another Ruski taken in the draft, and he's doing a lot better than the one that was picking last year, who hardly scores at all. Uh, Kovanov, 22 points in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So very cool to see him doing well in the Moncon Wildcats there. Uh, obviously a Russian, but he's in North America at the very least. He's in the Quebec uh, Major Junior Hockey League, and he's doing very well to start off his uh, start off his tenure as part of the Wild system anyway. Connor Dewar, that's another new one. WHL, 21 points, 12 of them goals in only 13 games. He's doing great in the Western Hockey League. Simon Johansson, well, at least he's got three points. Uh, unlike his uh, fellow Johansson, who's taken in the first round, only one in like 23 games. Very quiet for Philip Johansson so far. Damien Giroux is in the Ontario Hockey League, and he's playing for the Saginaw, uh, Saginaw Spirit. 14 points, 7 of them goals, 7-7 seven and seven there for the left shot center of Saginaw. Nice start to his little career, though. Damien Giroux there. Uh, Sean Boudreaux, he's also in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. 23 points, 11 of them goals in the 20 games for him so far. Very cool. So nice start for these prospects, at least when it comes to the most recent history. I want to look at Brandon Duhame a little bit. He's also from Providence. He's in his junior year already, if you can believe it. He's scoring this year. He's actually scoring. Three of them are goals. He's been another guy like Sweeney, like Greenway, and others who are generally getting more assists than anything else. Like last year, he had 19 assists versus seven goals, blah, blah, blah. Well, this year, he's got three goals to open up this season. Does Brandon Duhame. Again, the Parkland, Florida native. So let that ring in your ears a little bit. Parkland, Florida. That's where he's from. <sighs> yeah, it's too bad what happened. But, um... Brandon Doheim doing fairly well for Providence College, fourth-round pick in 2016. Hopefully he continues some success there with Providence. That's a school that won the national championship uh, the year after the, the Gophers lost, unfortunately, to Union. Jack Sadick so far with the Gophers, only one assist in the five games he's played. Certainly not an offensive guy, more of a stay-at-home type, right-shot defenseman who's got some physicality to him and some even a little bit of leadership. Uh, Avery Peterson appears to have retired or moved on. Dylan Lobby is obviously no longer with the organization. Oh, the 2013 draft did not work out. Just You just go down the list, except for Carson Soucy. Clearly, he's the best of the bunch. Uh, Olofsson is with Montreal in the uh, Lavelle hockey, uh, for uh, Lo the, the Lavelle Rocket, pardon me. And he's got one assist in like five games or something, so he's not been too good. But generally speaking, the 13, uh, 2013 draft for Minnesota has not worked out at all, other than Carson Soucy, who is the, the next call-up for any left-shot defenseman 
injury. I'd have to say Kapokokkanen, um, solid after his after an icky start. Nice to see have him in the AHL and having a little bit of success to start things out. That makes me feel pretty good, actually. Kirill Kaprizov continues to do what he's doing, and and uh, Paul Fenton's going to go meet up with him and his agent and such in Russia to hopefully de- develop a nice relationship. In the next two years or so, Kirill Kaprizov will be wearing the uh, Christmas colors. That would be terrific. Going to give a couple quick shout-outs and wrap up the show now. It's been a lot of fun getting back behind the mic and talking about the prospects again. God, I missed that so much. And, of course, ultimately talking about the real Minnesota Wild as well. I mean, the prospects, it's nice to get caught up with them. Obviously, it's wonderful. It feels great to see the Wild playing well, to see Zach Parisi playing like Zach Parisi again and Suter, you know, barely missing a step here. Maybe slow in the first couple games, but freaking awesome again. Um, and, boy, is he producing. Whew! Suter often starts off fairly well, but this year, obviously, the first couple of games he didn't. But uh, certainly looking good now. Um, it's been quite a positive, and I'm very happy to see the Minnesota Wild playing as well as they are. Uh, quick shout-out to Minnesota Wild Hardcore, the f- wonderful Facebook page. Absolutely love it. I endorse it in a big way. Jim Maddell, Sarah Maddell, Chad Walski, and, of course, Chance Caustic. My brother-in-law is my brother married his sister. Uh, and I have this nice little hardcore patch right here in front of me that I was uh, given last year from Jim Maddell and the hardcore. Thank you guys so much. There's a little love there to you. Coming back to you. <laughs> I still got to put it on a jersey. I have three jerseys. Put it on there, damn it. But I haven't been wearing my jerseys as much lately because I get hot too easy. Oh, I start sweating under the darn thing. But it's, so far, this little guy has been my companion for every show, and I just love looking at it, and I'm I'm happy to have this patch. I will get it on a jersey soon, but it's almost funner to have it here as like a little buddy, you know? It's like my little buddy as I do every show. So one way or another, it's it's definitely going to good use, and I appreciate it so much. Um, also, of course, the Facebook page for Brave the Wild, facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild, facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Thank you again so much. Please do join that page if you could. At Brave the Wild is the Twitter account, at Brave the Wild. Do like the Facebook page, follow the Twitter. It would be greatly appreciated. Tweet me or at me, as they say, anytime you want, when you want to talk any type of wild or just a quick comment like, wow, Granlin has been unbelievable, or my God, you know, what's going on with uh, this guy? What's going on with Niederreiter? Something like that. You know, and a little tweet or two back and forth. There's nothing wrong with that. And, of course, you'll, your name will get mentioned on air unless you specifically don't want that. And I don't know why you wouldn't. It's not like it's not like it's <laughs> not like anything's going to be given out there. You know, no information that, that you don't want out there is going to go out there. It's just a freaking tweet, tweet. Same with Facebook. So don't worry too much about that. It would be great to have you on the show. Another way to get on is through your voicemail. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Brave the Wild. Do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. Greatly appreciated. It's a three-minute limit on that one. Same thing when you press the call now button on the Facebook page. It goes straight to the same phone line through the Facebook Messenger, so it's free for anybody anywhere in that sense because that's how Facebook Messenger works. Going to give it one other shout-out quick before I give out the uh, the way to do an audio submission. MNW Players, wonderful website and wonderful Facebook page. I'm an admin on that page, and I thank so much to uh, Pavel Bunet and Merrick Skyba out of the Czech Republic. They follow the prospects as religiously as I do. In fact, they might follow them even closer. Guys like Pavel Jenis and L.S. Stezka, um, who've struggled a little bit, but uh, Pavel Jenis is in North America. Stezka still over in uh, in Europe there. Uh, Oh, he struggled a little bit, and I feel for him. But he's extremely young, so he's like, what, 21. So still a chance to be something. Uh, Pavel Jennings has had some moments here and there, generally in the ECHL, unfortunately. And I didn't really dive into the ECHL today. wanted to get caught up on some of the closer prospects today rather than do a deep dive all the way into the ECHL. But um, the more recent prospects, and of course guys that are in the AHL and in college, that hopefully have a shot to make Minnesota someday. So thanks again, Pavel uh, Bonnet and Merrick Skyba out of the Czech Republic. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this show. Very, very, very much uh, appreciated and very welcome. You're welcome to call in sometime, audio submission, whatever it is. The audio submission route is as easy as it gets, and it's probably the best way to go, I think, because there's no limit to how long you have to talk, or you can talk, per se. It is simply done by using the voice recorder on your cell phone of any type, any type of voice recording application. Treat it like a phone call. Save it and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. And uh, all this information, including the Facebook page, Twitter account, will be on the show description and the phone number. 
But you just save it there and I will uh, and send it to that email address. I will then, of course, convert it into an MP3 file from whatever type of file it is, like M4AA or God knows what else out there. Um, it never comes as an MP3 right away, so but it takes like three seconds, thanks to Zumzar.com. Really appreciate that website for providing that uh, ability. So I'm more than happy to uh, at least give them a free plug for that because it helps my show so much. With that said, though, I want to wish all of you a great uh, week or two or however long it takes to get back on the air. Don't be surprised if I record Brave the Wild on Thanksgiving Day. That might even be my next episode. I hope it's not that far away, but we'll see. I mean, rainy days happen, and then I'll get behind the mic again and get caught up. But now i got to record Timberwolves Explosion on the next rainy day. So <laughs> it's kind of a priority thing as we go here. If it's, so that's how that goes. But uh, keeping up with the show as best I can now. And, of course, once the cleanups are over, it'll be back to weekly, weekly, weekly. I'll try to record on Saturday mornings generally when it comes to Brave the Wild. That's usually how I do things. Once the fall cleanups are over usually starting around Thanksgiving or so. Like, I'll do a show on Thanksgiving or Black Friday, whatever, and then it'll be consistent from there on out on Saturday mornings. With that, everyone take care. God bless and go wild. Keep it up.